Okay, guys, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, like Hayden said. So when I was in high school and in early college, I actually was working at the Liberty Pizza Ranch over here. I was working there for about four or five years. Uh, I was a manager there as well. Um, and there was one evening in particular I remember. We were understaffed quite a bit, but specifically this evening we were understaffed on a Friday night. There were five of us. Um, and as we were working there, it was my friend Jacob, my friend Henry, my friend Rondell, and my sister Kayla and I. And between the five of us, we were trying to hold down the fort as we have a Friday night rush coming in. So everyone was doing their job, everyone was doing their best, doing what they were supposed to do. But while they were doing what they were supposed to do, um, in that moment, we still were struggling. We were overwhelmed by the amount of people coming in. We couldn't handle it just by the five of us. It was very, a very overwhelming experience. And see, that's why Paul is also kind of writing to the uh, church of Ephesus right now. Uh, the Ephesian church, they were actually struggling themselves with a couple things. And so Paul, while in prison, began writing this letter to encourage them while they were struggling. So we're going to have Chloe here read chapter 4, verses 1 through 16 for us. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to hope to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, for it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive, he gave gifts to people. But what does he, but what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to the apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. And to, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature be, measured by Christ's fullness, then we, with, oh my goodness, then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him who is the head Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit, together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself and love by the proper work, working of each individual part. Thank you, Chloe. Let's go ahead and pray. Uh, dear Lord, uh, I pray that you be with us at this time, that you will give us ears to hear what it is you want us to know about you this evening. Soften our hearts that our defenses won't go up as we are convicted, and help us to be attentive and free of all distractions as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight, guys, I've titled this message, Being a Diverse Disciple. See, what, our, what we're trying to get at is, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to be unified amongst our diversity to edify the body of Christ. So that's, that's our overarching goal as Christians, as we are to do that. See, Paul starts here in verse 1. He says, Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. Right out of the gate, he's talking to the Ephesus church, and he's telling them, hey, you guys are Christians, so act like it. Walk worthy of your calling. 
He continues on in verse two and three by saying, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. He's saying, okay, hey, I want you guys to walk worthy, but here's how you walk worthy. Walk with humility, with gentleness, with peace, and with love. See, he essentially wants them to do everything, bend over backwards even to maintain this unity. Because Paul's point is, although it's not always easy for us to do that, it's how we reflect God's character. Point number one tonight is unity reflects God's character. Um, Verse four here says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in all. So see, Paul's now saying that unity reflects God's character, but how? Well, in these verses right here, he begins telling us that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they themselves are unified. And see, unification is modeled within the Trinity. And the Trinity itself is God's character. So how do we have this oneness as Christians? Well, that's what he's saying through these three verses here. One body, that's our church. Uh, One spirit, that's the Holy Spirit that lives inside us as believers. One hope, we all have the same heavenly destination as Christians. One Lord, we all submit to King Jesus. One faith, we all trust that Jesus is our salvation. And then he says one baptism. See, we are baptized in the spirit, not by a water baptized baptism, which we're used to, but instead this is meaning that we are united in Christ through this. And Paul actually talks about this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 13 in his first letter to the Corinthian church. It also says that one God and one father. See, we all serve the same heavenly father. So now Paul is basically saying, hey, you're Christians, right? Well, then you are one with your fellow believers. But you can be one with people and not still be unified. Uh, You guys have, I'm assuming you all have eaten an M&M at some point. You guys know what M&Ms are. See, what makes an M&M an M&M? In it, you have the chocolate center, you have a colorful hard chocolate shell around it, and it has that M stamped on the front of it, right? But if you were to, that is what makes the M&M itself. But when you take all the different flavors and kinds of M&Ms and put them into one bowl, you have the regular M&Ms, the peanut M&Ms, the caramel M&Ms, the pretzel flavored ones, the peanut butter ones. When you put them all into a bowl and you reach in to grab one, the chances of you grabbing just a M&M, yeah, you're gonna grab an M&M, but they're all different. They're unique within that. They're not exactly the same, but they are one. They are all one M&M. If you, for instance, were to take just the peanut M&M out and were to eat that, you're going to definitely get the taste of chocolate or a peanut in it. You're not going to get one or the other. It's going to definitely be both. That is unified in itself. It is both an M&M and it is unified with those two flavors. So what Paul is saying here is that we are to be one and unified just like the Trinity. See, you can be one with other Christians and not speak with gentle words. We cannot be patient with one another. And we definitely can be not loving sometimes. But that's why we need to be unified. Unity reflects God's character. In verse 7, he continues saying, Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So now he's saying that we were given the gift of grace. Jesus has given us the gift of grace. In verse 8, he goes on saying, For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. So now he's saying, hey, God has loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. He came, he bore the punishment of our sin. He was then buried for three days. He rose again, conquering death. And then later, 
he would ascend back to heaven. But what's important about this is Jesus loved us so much that he came to earth to die, he descended, but he also loved us so much as he ascended, he gave us gifts so that we can continue to grow together. That's what's important about these gifts. In verse eight, uh, Paul is actually referencing a psalm. This is Psalm 68:18. It's kind of his own summary and version of what is being said. Uh, historically, this psalm is actually normally sung at the end of a victory, a triumph of some sort. And so with Paul referencing that to be in reference of Jesus raising again and conquering the dead, what is a greater victory than that, right? He is being like, hey, we should celebrate this victory. And not only did he celebrate this victory, but he also gave us these gifts. So these gifts were explained there between verse 8 and 10. See, unity, our second point tonight, unity is grace. See, God did not have to be gracious towards us. He didn't have to love us. He doesn't have to forgive us for our sins. He, we, he owes nothing to us. But that being said, he is gracious to us. He brings us and gives us peace and comfort. And see, there's peace in unity. So unity is grace. In verse 11, he begins talking a little, he changes the subject a tad. He says, and he himself gave us to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So now he's saying, hey, I didn't just, he didn't just give us the gift of grace. He's also given us the gift of other things. You know, being, he specifically lists types of teachers here. Some of you guys who were with us this last year, back in December, we actually did a sermon series over spiritual gifts. That's what Paul's talking about here is the different spiritual gifts. Now, we're not going to go into depth on those gifts tonight, but if you're interested in going to that, you can jump on to the podcast thing and listen to those of when Adam and Erica uh, preached about that a couple months ago. But what Paul is referencing here is that these spiritual gifts were given to us as Jesus went back to heaven. In verse 12, he's saying, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. So now he's telling us why he's given us these gifts. We were given these gifts to build up the church, right? That's what we're supposed to do. In the wintertime when it snows, you guys see all the snow on the ground, right? It's very pretty when there's just a clean sheet of snow outside. But the thing is, is that snow can't be made there without the snowflakes falling. And every single individual snowflake is different. They're unique in their own way. They have different anatomies within themselves. And it takes all those unique snowflakes to come together to make that beautiful scene. And that's what he's telling us that we are. We are to edify the body of Christ. We are all unique in our own way, but together we're supposed to come together and make that beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to look like. I keep mentioning this word edification, I mean edify, but the definition of edification is the instruction or improvement of a person morally and intellectually. That's what we're supposed to do with the church. We are supposed to improve the church on a moral and intellectual and spiritual level growing together. But when, when he tells us we're supposed to do that, the next question is like, how long? How long are we supposed to be doing this? And in verse 13, he begins to tell us that we are to, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with the stature measured by Christ's fullness. So he's saying, hey, how long are we supposed to reach spiritual maturity? Well, it's supposed to be once we all reach spiritual maturity. The thing is, it's kind of a trick question because we're not just going to all reach spiritual maturity. We're always inducting new people into, a, into the family, right? And as we're doing that, they are starting a little bit less spiritually mature than everyone else. So we will all reach spiritual maturity when Christ returns. We'll be unified in heaven together, right? So he's kind of given a trick question in that, but that's what he's saying is we will finally fully be unified uh, when we make it to heaven. In verse 14, he says, then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. Now he's saying, hey, we need to grow. 
but we can't just be, stay as little children. We have to grow. We might be new Christians, but we can't just stay this way. We need to continue to grow. Just like our physical bodies continue to grow, our spiritual maturity also needs to grow. He goes on in 15 saying, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. So how do we reach uh, Christian maturity here? He's saying by teaching sound scripture and by teaching it with love by studying the Bible, by praying with him, by being involved with God and having a relationship with him. So you can't just teach something. You can't just spread something and be able to ex uh, expect to be able to help someone with something if you yourself don't even know what you're helping them with. So we have to grow ourselves so that we can teach this to others. And not only that, but teach it with love. In verse 16, he says, For him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. See, now he's giving the analogy of a body, right? Everyone is a different limb. See, we are, as Christians, the body of Christ. In verse 11, Paul talked about the different gifts we have. We are diverse in that. We're all different. We all have our own unique gifts that God has given to us. And what he's saying here is point number three and finally for tonight is there is unity in diversity. There's unity in diversity. Um, this has actually been modeled the last couple weeks by our church. Two weeks ago, we had VBS, right? Some of you guys worked as crew leaders. You guys helped out with VBS. We even had parents in our congregation coming and working as a station leader. Everyone working together so that we can serve the kids. This is an ex excellent example of everyone using their diverse gifts together so that we can accommodate one goal of reaching these kids with the gospel. A couple weeks before that, I think it was a week ago before that, we sent a team to Uganda, about 10 or 12 people. What they were doing there was they were sent to equip these new African missionaries with the skills needed so that they could go and preach the gospel to unreached people group in Africa. So see, these 10 to 12 people, they were able to go because we supported them. They then supported these new missionaries to help them now go and reach these other people with the gospel. See, God is able to reach them with the gospel because we all, all the way back here, continue to support down the line. That's another way we're supposed to be, use our diverse gifts is supporting each other in that. See, back in verse 1, that's what Paul's doing from prison. He is supporting and encouraging the church of Ephesus while they're struggling. I don't know about you guys, but for me, if I was in prison, the last thing I'm going to be doing is worrying about someone else outside. But that's exactly what Paul's doing, and that shows it's a testament to the level of a relationship he has with God, that he's able to use his gifts even while he is struggling in that way. So there's unity in diversity. Usually when we study passages, we look for, okay, who was the original audience? And what is this passage saying to them? Who is the present audience, which is us now? And what is it saying to us? But the beautiful thing about Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is that the message being said to them is the same message being said to us right? It's very relevant in both ways. We are still struggling with these same issues. We ourselves are not unified. We let secondary church issues get in the way of how we think and all that, and we let it cloud our judgment of, hey, we all agree on the gospel, and that's what we're supposed to be sharing. So just like Paul in verse 1 when he said, hey, act like it. You're Christians. Act like it. He continued to explain how to do that. That's what I want to do for you guys tonight. I'm not just going to be like, hey, this is what we're supposed to do. Good luck. But no, I want to equip you guys with resources that will help you guys grow. So first of all, it's like, how are we supposed to walk worthy of our calling now? Well, I encourage you guys, if you don't already, have a devotional time. What does that look like for you guys? Do you guys take the time to read the Bible? Do you have a quiet time where you sit and spend time with God each and every day? And if you don't, that's okay. There are times where we are, get overwhelmed with that, but we want to help you. 
uh, if you don't know where to begin, you don't know what it looks like to start one, in the back we actually have a couple sheets. They actually go over the course of a year what it looks like to study just the New Testament. There's also a sheet back there to help you study the whole Bible as a whole, correlating both the Old and New Testament together. These are ways we want you guys to just, hey, here's how I can start. You know, I want to, I've, wanted, I've really wanted to for a while, but I just, I can't get past that. I don't know what I'm doing, and I, and I don't really want to ask. Well, we want to give you guys that resource. Maybe you guys learned during COVID that you don't have the self-discipline to sit and hold yourself accountable for that. If that's the case, there's also this thing called the YouVersion Bible app. This is where you guys in this room can work together. You can make small groups or large groups or even ones of us leaders where you guys actually hold each other accountable. You can schedule a daily reading and you guys can even uh, comment on it and have conversations through that app together about what you learned in that passage. This is a great way for you guys to also hold yourself accountable. We want to help you guys with that. Another thing is practicing prayer. Adam talked uh, at the beginning of the book of Ephesians. He began talking about what a modeled prayer looks like, kind of like what are we supposed to do within prayer. He had a sheet that kind of went through that, and I believe you guys also prayed that night going through that sheet. We have that in the back as well to help you guys if you didn't get that or you want a second one, you guys can look through to help you practice talking to God so that it doesn't feel so scary because he is our friend. He wants to talk to us. It should be just the same. Finally, I want you guys to actually look around the room to your left and to your right, everyone who's around here. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. These are the people you are to rely on, the ones who have your back. Um, if some of you have not, maybe some of you are sitting there tonight and are like, hey, I've never accepted Jesus as my savior. I don't know what you mean by these are my brothers and sisters. If that's the case, us interns, we'd love to talk to you this evening or maybe when Erica and Adam get back, they, you'd want to talk to them as well. We'd be happy to let you know what that looks like because we want you to be in this family so that we can all support each other as one uh, big brothers and sisters. But we are to rely on each other in that. And when I say rely, I don't just mean, hey, how are you doing? Oh, good, and that's it. It's uh, we, you are actively seeking them for help. Remember, you, someone cannot help someone else if they don't know what you're struggling with. If you don't talk to them, if you don't reach out to them, they can't help you. And we are the biggest resource we have. That's each other. So we, make sure we're doing that. How do we use God's grace? Well, in God's grace, we are to be a vessel, an instrument that he can pour his grace and love through. That's how we support each other, right? We as humans don't have the capability to just sit there and just fully give, give, give to other people. It's hard, you know, because we are inherently selfish. But thanks to God, if we allow him to use us, he can pour his grace and love through us so we can end support each other. Kinsley made a point a couple weeks back when she was talking about unity in Christ. She said, a unified church makes a difference in a broken world. So what would that look like for us? If we were truly unified, what difference could we make to this broken world, to the people who see us every single day while we're outside, how we act, what we say, what we do? And finally, how do, we, how do we use our diverse gifts? What does that look like? Right, I mentioned the example of VBS. Let's find ways to serve. Use these gifts, support each other in those. Supporting our brothers and sisters in an excellent way. Maybe it's just encouraging them. Maybe it's being there for them in a hospitable sense. It's like, hey, I love having people welcome into my home. Whatever that looks like, find a way to serve. And again, even when we are going through tough times or maybe we're going through great times, we are to celebrate each other's differences. Even if you see someone, God flourishing in their life and in yours you feel like he's not even working, he is working, you just might not be able to see it. But you are to celebrate, hey, I am so happy that these are going well for you, you know? Because that is how we support each other is even when it's not, oh, look at me, I'm doing great. It's we're supporting them even in the hard times. That's what we're called to do. And this can be hard as you guys get older. Some of you guys are just entering high school. Some of you are in the middle. Some of you are on your way out. And with that being said, as you become adults, you're going to find it very hard to support each other and be able to continue these habits. That's why we want you to create them now. 
We want you to create these big habits through these small responsibilities. That's what these sheets are for. That's what we're here for, is to help you begin to build these habits so that they stay habits. They don't just become a task that you want to do, but you never get around to doing. You see, that evening when we were at Pizza Ranch, we were overwhelmed and struggling. And quite frankly, our situation wasn't going to change. It was going to be that way until we closed. The thing is, we could make the night more bearable if we worked together. And that's exactly what started to happen. Jacob started not only making the pizzas, but he began cutting them. He began putting them on the trays and bringing them out and began working the buffet, making sure it looked nice out there. Rondellis, he was finishing, wiping up all those dishes. He would grab those plates and he'd bring them out instead of just leave them back there for us to grab. Henry, while he was finishing up all of his chicken, he would then go out there, grab a bus tub and start busing for Kayla. Kayla would then no longer have to bus because Henry's out there helping her. She was able to go up to the front and greet the people as they're coming in, helping just to give them a better experience. And because they were all working together, I had a bigger weight lifted off my shoulder so that I could help them in the small things that they needed help with. It was a great picture of unity there. Now, it didn't change the circumstance. We still were struggling that evening. The difference was it changed our attitudes. We were no longer, I have to do this myself. If I don't do this, I'm going to fail. It's a, hey, if we fail, we fail together. But at least we are supporting one another and able to help each other through our struggling. And see, that's what Paul's doing here is he is supporting the church of Ephesus. And that's what we're supposed to do right now in this room as brothers and sisters, as we go through high school, as maybe you guys go through college with some of these people as well. We are to support each other. What good is your gift if you don't use it? What good is your gift if you don't share it? As brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to be unified amongst our diversity to edify the body of Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this evening praising you for your perfect picture of unity. We thank you for the peace we see reflected in your character. Thank you for the comfort of your grace and the blessings and gifts you have poured upon your church. Lord, I pray that you take the diversity among us, the gifts you have given us, and soften our hearts that we will allow you to use us. They will be patient and humble, showing love to those around us. I pray that we will continue to grow more spiritually mature, that we will become more unified in you, so that you will make a difference in this broken world. Help us as brothers and sisters in Christ to support each other. Though there be trials or times of flourishment, help us to encourage each other that we will reflect your character in all that we do. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen.